so all right i said what is whitney houston's what's whitney houston's favorite vegetable what's that Endive. You can leave because motherfuckers don't even know what endive is. Look I'm, at Jeffrey. I'm motherfuckers. Right now. What, what's a. It's like what, a. What's an endive? It's. Uh, here, I, a, I put it in the other chat. It's like. I don't think it's an onion, but it's not a cabbage. It's, they're delicious. Interesting. I guess it's a funny joke, but I'm more intrigued that I've never heard of this before. <laughs> I knew it. I felt it in my spirit. <laughs> Tara was like, nobody knows what <laughs> Oh man. Okay. It's like a like a what is it, a shallot, but not I don't I can't know. remember if they're related to onions or cabbage, but I've cooked them and they're they're similar ish to both. So I I just thought they were good and that Italian lady that can't stop smiling made them and I thought, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Giada. Well, I got a joke. What happens when an onion and a cabbage has a baby? Uh oh. And I've. <laughs> okay. This is a 100% serious uh, question. Your mom is trapped behind a door, right? Like she's locked in some, I don't know, some villain put her back there. Don't matter. She's trapped. Behind a door, a big heavy door, and the only way you can get this door down is to have a very powerful singer blow the door down. You can pick whatever singer from whatever era you want, but the singer it has to be someone with a powerful voice that can knock this door down with their voice alone to save your mama. Who's it gonna be? Jennifer Hudson, old hollering ass. Ooh, I like that. Okay, all right. That's that's fair. Tim. Oh, I mean I'm gonna be I'm gonna be like topical and trendy, like maybe like Jack Black. Door down. Door down. I've never had that answer before, but I'll allow it. Usually I get like like uh they go with their favorite singer. And I'm like, no, your mama's life is on the line. Mm. <laughs> and they're like, I'm, I'm gonna go with Beyonce, and it's like, okay, I mean, talent, you're, but you're, power, you're, you're no. power. That's what I'm saying. Like, you gotta power. blow this door down. Okay, obviously, my answer is always Whitney Houston, and I'll give Adele a number two, but it's always Whitney. So we used to have this argument. <laughs> it was an ongoing argument at one of my jobs when I worked Eve shift and the person who I'd always argue with his answer was Patty LaBelle. So also good, not Whitney though, but also good. So we had this thing where we'd also ask new people and anybody, security guards, whoever, who they got. And like, we've heard some dumb shit. Like I said, uh, <laughs> you got to save mama with a powerful voice. And like one person said Mariah Carey and I was like, the door isn't glass. If it was a glass door, okay. Mariah Carey. But yes. it's a heavy, heavy wood door. Hard wood door. Like you gotta I would also say Shaka Khan. Like I could go for okay. some Shaka. Yeah. Okay. All right. Y'all all wrong. It's Whitney's the answer. <laughs> but 
I understand. Those are good answers. They're not Mariah Carey. They're not Beyonce. But, you know. Lauren the Hill. So, on that note, thank you for joining us today. If this is your first time with us, we're the secret group of brown kids. Who are the secret group of brown kids? It's a secret. But you might have seen us filling in seats at the 1994 American Music Awards. I'm your host, Tiff, a.k.a. Beyonce. Um, (laughs) That's a a callback. Uh, And today we have Tim, of course, and Tara. I forgot AKAs for y'all. I forgot who was... It's 3T again. It's a 3T formation. I forgot which one of y'all was Kelly and which one was... uh, (laughs) No, I don't remember if we picked... Tara looks real confused. You don't... This is your joke. I know. I just don't remember who picked that who. That's why yeah. I was like, wait, I don't remember either. It's all right. I'm we're, let... we're, we're both prepared to throw our hands up at you. So uh, That's okay. <laughs> you are ready for this, Joey. Um, Indeed. I hope the audience is ready for this, Joey. I hope Quebec and Singapore is ready for this, Joey. Singapore being <laughs> our other... Uh, consistent listener uh who's downloaded all the episodes and every week that's uh so, listens to so the new one cool. yeah it's so cool i have no idea who quebec is no idea who singapore is but i love y'all there's also seven people from virginia and i don't know if they're consistent or not because i'm from virginia so it could be any number of friends that told about the podcast and but none of them talk about it to me at least so i don't know <laughs> I don't know if it shows anybody from Seattle, but there's a couple of people over there that have been like, y'all are doing some cool stuff. One guy said he didn't okay. even like podcasts. There is some, there's one person from uh, from Washington State, so that's probably right. them. Yeah, shout out Singapore and Washington State and whichever number of <laughs> friends that I can't tell. Anyway, today we are doing uh whitney houston i want to dance with somebody released christmas 2022 last year and it just hit on netflix so if you're in the u.s you can stream it on netflix and why this movie uh because i wanted to see it in theaters and i missed it and it popped on streaming and i was like hey let's do it and none of y'all these biopics just they just slipped in real fast. Like as so, soon as the Queen one came out, they I, just started coming out every other every other. I think six that's what was Queen the first one back because you know there, there's always cycles, and right. there was a big one, and then we got boom a few more like right mm-hmm. after. I think Queen uh, Bohemian Rhapsody was the first one. Coincidentally, the writer of that wrote this, which I'm gonna get into that later. Because I think that's a big factor. You have a you have a push pin for that one. Yeah. So if I forget, bring it up. Remind me. So, what else about this movie? Directed by Casey Cassie. I'm not sure if I'm saying it right. Cassie Lemons, who also did Eve's Bayou and the Harriet Tubman movie. Oh Lord. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm I'm not a fan of. The Harriet Tubman movie. I don't know if it was her fault or not. I think she kind of did the best with what she had to work with, but it it wasn't what we wanted from that from a Harriet Tubman movie. The first one, you know. She also did a couple other things: Caveman's Valentine, Black Nativity. 
I think I saw Black Nativity at like a Christmas or something, but I don't remember enough about it. And the writer, as we mentioned before, is uh, the guy who wrote Bohemian Rhapsody, Anthony McCartan. Come back to him. And it stars Naomi Ackie, yay, Stanley Tucci, Ashton Sanders, Tamara Tooney, who is is always like, she, I don't know if she's ever starred in the movie, but when she's in it, like, you know, she she holds her own. She's good. Uh, Nafisa Williams, who I think I know her from Black Lightning, the Black Lightning CW show. She was one of the daughters. Uh, and Clark Peters, not John Amos, Clark Peters. <laughs> uh, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> when when I first saw him on screen, I was like, is that John Amos? And then I was like, no, it's Clark Peters. And he's a... Damn, he, damn, damn. He looked damn the same. <laughs> That's because... Wait. Nah, he does kind of resemble... <laughs> Never mind. Uh, yeah. I was confusing him <laughs> with another old black actor. <laughs> oh, my God. No, black look, people look the same, friend. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm Look, it, you know what it is? He was in the Five Bloods with... Oh, what's his name? She. That guy. <laughs> <laughs> I knew exactly who you meant. I always, I always forget look, his name. Look, yeah, was he? They, they were funny. I don't often oh. do this with black actors. I'll do it with white actors. I'm sorry. But like, there's like three sets of white actresses that that <laughs> I'll I'll fuck it up. Like one is Rada Mitchell, Rada Mitchell, Rona Mitra, and then there's a third one that. I, can't, I already see. I can't even remember her name. See, you all don't even know who it is. Terry no, just gave up. I thought you were uh, trying to say Raw Manual. It's like that's not another the same. one. Is a uh, Naomi Watts. Uh, oh, dang. yeah. Uh, I can't even remember the other ones, but yeah, she. Poor Naomi Watts. Every movie she's in, she it's a it's a struggle for her life. Right. She couldn't even get a, a respite in Tank Girl. Like it was like, <laughs> damn. <laughs> like. I think that's remember how we were talking about picking roles in the last episode. Like, I think she purposely <laughs> picks roles where it's like she has to fight for her life. It, it's a struggle. Like things just aren't going the way it's planned, and she has to try her best to overcome it. Because all of her roles is like that. Like at some point when I'm watching Naomi Watts movie, I'm like, I feel sorry for you. Like, is you okay? Uh, <laughs> anyway, it's not Naomi Watts's episode, so. Box we'll office. Get, we'll get to it. So this had a budget of forty-five million, and it only made fifty-six million. Uh, twenty-three point seven domestic, uh, thirty-three international, which isn't. It's not a flop, but I know the investors aren't happy. You know. Yeah. Like after marketing, that probably they probably just broke even, maybe. Mm. But they'd be all right. They rich, and. I'm not going to give you a plot description because it's a biopic. It's, a, it's about Whitney Houston's life. And finally, Rotten Tomatoes. Horrible critic score. Tomato meter 44%. But audience meter is 92. So, no they Kareem cleaned, to mess with that. cleaned it up. Yeah. So, but that's, here's the thing. I don't know if I should get into it at the top or the bottom of the episode, but real quick. That's kind of expected from biopics, especially yeah. ones about musicians. Because all I can't think of a, a musician uh, biopic movie that isn't a nostalgia play, you know. Mm-hmm. So, like for an audience, if they love that musician, 
that that artist just showing up and as long as they play the songs you know they're they'll love it regardless you know critics they're watching it as an actual feature you know they're watching it differently so i get it also all biopics kind of have the same flow so they get tired real quick you go in expecting uh it's a biopic whatever and it always flows the same way especially ones about uh musicians because those have to hit the the same notes (laughs) Mm. like you, you always have to end on a big song a big performance stuff like that so it is what it is it's always going to be a kind of like a paint by numbers kind of thing so i i get it i get it i'm not surprised by by the score but a real quick spoiler warning uh if you <laughs> if you say she dies look <laughs> I, swear- I, I was ready to make this joke and i started laughing too soon but yeah like it's a biopic i it's safe to say if you haven't seen the movie you can and you if you're worried about spoilers i don't know what to tell you uh you, you can also keep if you haven't seen the movie and you were just recently born in like 2016 or something i don't know and you like you're unaware that she's passed away like a, a while ago now yeah. a little bit actually i'm sure there are some people who couldn't give less of a shit about this movie because whitney meant nothing to them but mm-hmm. Whatever, that's, you know, here, that's here or there. Anyway, spoiler warning, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but we're going to get into it. First off, how do y'all feel about it? I want to dance with somebody. I, uh, w- without, like, going into the full, you know, how I would recommend it, I think, overall, they hit all the important stuff, and I learned stuff that I didn't actually know. So, pretty okay. cool. Terror. Um... I liked it. I do appreciate how, like, we all grew up with Whitney Houston, like, literally at peaks in her career, as well as, unfortunately, when she passed away. Um, So I like how they kept certain things, like, very classy about her and didn't try and, like, drag her through the mud, considering that would have been very, very easy to do. Um, Considering that is what happened, like, while all that was going on, and she was the butt of a lot of jokes. Um. But yeah, they, I didn't like it. You I, just made me realize they never did the crack as whack. Which no, okay, no. yeah, very class. Keep going. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Um, so like I said, I I appreciate that, especially in my big grown age now, and having seen people go through like substance abuse. Because when you're a teenager, it's always just like, <laughs> um, or maybe not, but again, teenagers. Um, d- definitely sang a lot. Got a lot of chills. Uh, watching it because it's Whitney and Siska Blow. But yeah. I enjoyed it. Also, uh, I wasn't sure watching, I have to find this out after the fact, I wasn't sure watching if, how much was Naomi Aki singing? I was like, maybe that helped her get cast because she could sing. Uh, But they did use Whitney's voice for the singing. I think it said 95% of the singing was Whitney, her actual voice, which I should also mention, this is the third Whitney movie in a right. in a decade, so like the the first one was the Lifetime one, which I didn't see, but nobody liked. And judging by Tara's face, it was that bad. Man, it's Lifetime. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I shouldn't have to say too much more. Which was actually directed by Angela Bassett, which blows my mind. But you know, it's also Lifetime budget and yeah, Lifetime producers though. So, and then there was a 2018 documentary which I did see, and that's like 
what kind of brought back like when he was amazing for me and like i i'm like i didn't know a lot of things uh before that documentary so i think that one actually had the blessing of that not everybody because everybody was a lot of people were mad about the documentary because they said it told too much or they it, 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 it lied on her and we'll get into that in a bit but that one i think pat houston her sister-in-law slash manager i think she was involved with that one she's definitely involved in this one her and clive davis on this one so i think the folks who are disputing the legitimacy of the documentary and this movie should probably not die on that hill but anyway i really liked it i recognize it was paint by the numbers biopic but also i that's what biopics are to me so whatever i'm actually frustrated with the amount of hate it gets because uh i don't know niggas i don't know like uh (laughs) there a lot of it it's really two two criticisms they're shitting on naomi aki for not looking like her enough and not even not looking like her enough like they're just straight up shitting on her looks and i'm like this woman's gorgeous like you guys are evil and they're shitting on ashton sanders (laughs) bobby brown which I'll get into. Um, <laughs> but otherwise, aside from it being standard form biopic, uh, you know, a whole, a giant life to run through in two hours, two and a half hours. So you always get the same, just, oh, big moments kind of thing. And you're moving pretty fast through them. The only time that doesn't happen, and you don't see that with the musician biopics, is if they just choose to focus on a specific point in time or event for somebody. So like, you know, there's like two Steve Jobs movies, right? The Ashton Sanders one does the whole life, or at least I don't think you see him die in that one, but anyway, you know, whole life. And then the Michael Fassbender one is a specific window. You mean a a specific Apple? Oh shit. I apologize. Also, way to have a spoiler mm. alert about Steve Jobs. Jeez. <laughs> how he gonna how he gonna die and not work and still be called Steve Jobs? Man, Man. you on a roll today. No, I'm not. I'm, I've been drinking coffee. <laughs> uh, and then there's a another great example is a there's a Princess Diana one with uh what's her name. I don't want to say Twilight Girl. She's more than Twilight. I just can't remember. Kristen Stewart. Um, That was a specific, like, few weeks or something, like, window in Princess Diana's life. And it was good because it just focused on that one thing. You had the narrative, you know, that no movie folks care about because they don't quite understand that slice of life is a thing. But, you know. uh, Oh, like the the real, the real laser focused ones like yeah. with barack it was like barack and in in college uh, yeah like they were just on yeah. a date the movie oh, was oh no, that, that was the other barack movie there's two barack mm-hmm. movies They're not very south side with you which is a we should do south side with you at some point uh, uh yeah. we might lose some listeners because i was actually <laughs> especially like international like like presidents are real touchy yeah i found out trying to debate about the barack movies but if you take all that other political stuff aside like that movie is beautiful but yeah like it's just them on a date michelle and barack on a date and yeah so 
real specific ones, but though you don't usually see those with musicians because when you do a musician biopic, people want to, you know, the music, they care about the music. So they got to do the whole thing, how they started, how they ended, the big performances, yada, yada. Uh, mm. So it's unfortunate in that sense, you know? I know there's one that exists, but I can't think of it. But it don't matter because Whitney, this one's the overarching uh, life biopic. Anyway, so I knew that that that's that's a major criticism. And then I don't I re, I rebuke the uh, Naomi Aki criticisms, but I'm gonna get into that. And the Ashton Sanders one, I'll talk on it, but that's a thing. So those are the three big ones about the movie but i liked it yeah yeah all right getting into the movie all right we started out in 1994 at the american music awards with whitney about to start one of her iconic performances and then it flashes back to 1983 new jersey when she was young and singing in church right and then after the church scene or when she's still in church after the church service we see her practicing with her mom sissy houston and her mom was getting on her for not nailing the melody, but still adding in her little you know, fancy flourishes. But and Whitney was clearly over it, but she nailed it, though. She got it together. <laughs> Next, we see meet, uh, Whitney meeting uh, Robin uh, at the park. And immediately, Robin asks her, like, who she is. And, you know, uh, sorry, Robin asks her who she is. And she starts getting into, you know, uh, or Whitney starts getting into all the singers in her family. And, like, Robin's impressed, and, but, like, you can tell Robin's flirting. And then next we see, like, Robin and Whitney, or Robin at one of Whitney's uh, mother's shows, and, like, Whitney's uh, singing backup. But we see, you know, Robin smiling at Whitney, but we also see, like, Robin, like, checking out, uh, was it a waitress or something? And uh, the mom notices all of this, because, <laughs> of course, mother eyes. And then we see, like, Whitney's parents fighting back at the house, and that upsets her. So she goes upstairs to her brother's room and like they bring her in and they're, you know, then they're in there smoking weed. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then it cuts to like her hanging out with a Robin and like they're smoking weed on the playground. And then uh, we see them kissing. And next thing you know, Whitney's moving out of her mama house and in with Robin and mama big mad. And this is all super fast. I don't even think we really. This, this movie. Oh, it moves. It just was like, it's... I got. I know I got two hours and 20 minutes, but I got to go. <laughs> Look, two hours. I've, and like, here's the thing. Like, that's how that, like, it. there's a lot of ground to cover. Like, Whitney mm-hmm. is a huge, 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 huge figure. And they skipped a lot of stuff. <laughs> but they had to. Otherwise, this movie would have. That's why sometimes some things work more or work better as miniseries. If you want to get everything in, but if you want to have a movie, you can't get everything in, which is one of the criticisms I hear people talk about. But I thought it got enough in. This would have been a good miniseries. I'm not going to hold you. Like, when you mentioned that, I was like, it would have been a really good miniseries. Yeah. I can't even, I can't deny that. I mean, I'm I'm Mr. Movie Man. I like movies. I like things to have, (laughs) you know, a start and end. And we take care of it in a. You know. I, I love a defined end, even when it is a series. Like every t- every once in a while, I'll hear about something cool going on in One Piece, and I'm like, I just can't look. That's that's gonna uh, One Piece gonna be over when my kids grow up. I don't even have kids <laughs> yet. I don't have one kid. Look, one kid. Like One Piece. That's your dog in the corner, like. 
<laughs> but yeah, uh, I've been through, I've been through two dogs. One piece ain't over. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that, that's not funny. That's not funny. Was that too much? <laughs> I didn't think that was. It's just the way that you said it, my man. Said, I've been through two dogs. <laughs> One piece ain't even over yet. Your dogs in the afterlife are like the fuck, guy. Like, <laughs> I didn't ask to be brought into this at all, and here I am. Dang. Sorry. I thought I brought him the best years of his life just to be compared to One Piece. <laughs> <laughs> Doggy oh. heaven. They crossed oh, the rainbow oh, bridge oh, like. I'm sorry. <laughs> RIP to some real ones. RIP to Tim's dogs. Peace, peace out, mouse. <laughs> I know you're looking down on me going. <sighs> <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> I don't even remember what I was saying. So we I'm were gonna... we were talking about the speed of the movie, but oh, we, yeah. <laughs> we were right around her moving out of the house. Yeah, yeah. Mo- the movie moves, <laughs> to say the least, like breakneck speeds. It slows down from to like at like some of the big moments, but like this this setup, whoosh. So yeah, so now we're at a a show. Uh, and it's Sissy Houston's show, and she's backstage fussing at Whitney, and then she sees Clive Davis uh, sit down in the audience, and then she pretends to lose her voice, and she's like, uh, Whitney, uh, you gotta sing the opening solo, the greatest love of all. Um, my, vo- my voice is, 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 is gone. And she's like, well, you just had it a second ago when you are yelling at me. <laughs> uh, but Whitney goes up there. Sings the greatest love of all. She kills it, of course. And Clive is super impressed. I gotta say, pause. The greatest love of all. I can't hear that song without thinking of coming to America and Randy Watson sexual chocolate. <laughs> yes. I believe the children are the future. <laughs> I feel like the best part about that whole scene was the part when she was like, but you were just yelling at me. She's like, that's why I just lost my voice. Now go out and sing. And I was like, wow, what a real right? moment. Yeah. Like, how much of this was added? Like, like real mom. That's real a black mom. Yes. <laughs> Not good. Also, it was just difficult because I only see Tamara Tooney as, like, Lawner to SVU. My that's where doctor. she's from. Okay. Oh, that's I'm, right. I'm not a big Law and Order head, but as soon as you said that, I knew exactly. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Wait, she's great. Yeah, she's great. Like, she is she great, can sing too. But that wig, though. I'm pretty sure that was her singing for uh, her parts, obviously. Anyway, yeah. carry on. So, Sorry, just to throw that out there. Clive is impressed, and uh, right away, uh, Inky lands Inky. Whitney inks a record deal uh, with uh, Clive and uh, Arista Records, right? Uh, <laughs> then we, right, as soon as like they, she signs and everything, and she, uh, Clive kicks everybody out the office. And so he could, he could chat with her and he asked her what kind of music or what type, what type of song she likes to do. And she said she likes to sing uh, great big songs that are like climbing a mountain songs that really she really has to sing her raggedy ass off to sell. Right. And Clive, Clive's like, so like gospel, country, black, white. And Whitney's like all the above. So Clive says, all right, we'll hire some of the best songwriters to uh, write her a great big song. Because she doesn't write herself. Kingship. No, she sings. She don't write. Which ain't a, ain't a big deal, right? No, not really. 
unless you're a rapper. <laughs> well, yeah, it is weird when it's rap. Yeah, rap, that's, rap is that's different. That's one of the odd yeah. kind of. But outside of rap, not all people that can sing write songs or can write songs. But so it's, to, it's not a to big be deal. A, to, to, to be a little too nerdy about it, technically the very first, mm-hmm. the very first popular rap song has someone in it ri- rhyming somebody else's words. So... I, it, 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 I I hate that that set that precedent that dang. technically that's normal. I didn't even know that. Delight. Rapper's Delight Rapper's was written by somebody else. It wasn't written well, by Sugar Hill. One of the guys' verses were from someone else. He just okay. had somebody else's book and just used their. And you please can look don't, it up. It's, please don't tell it, me it's not. I'm six foot one and tons of fun. That's not the. Oh no, I'm not sure which one. It, no, I okay. think it's the small dude. Okay, all right. Forgive me for not knowing the names of the guys it's from Rapper's right. Delight. Uh, <laughs> it's all right. But yeah, as a as a songwriter myself, I don't begrudge a singer who is like, I have the tool. Yeah, but I need people to assist. I was going to say with a voice like Whitney's, she honestly didn't need to write. Yeah. She really just needed to be like, "Hey, girl, get up there and sing." And like, that's all we need you to do. You, like, be able to sing and then have musicality that's the word right music yeah. like she knew uh-huh. like okay there these are the words but this is how it needs to be delivered this is the, the speed it needs to be delivered like she got that from her mom because mm-hmm. uh at some point you see her mom, oh we're about to get to it like you don't have you don't have bubba wallace build a car <laughs> he drives yeah yeah see and that's a great analogy i get it so now we get her uh her public debut scene with Clive Davis, uh, and he presents her on the Merv Griffin show, and she sings Home. <laughs> we get a moment where her mom is backstage fussing because her skin tone is off, because the lighting is wrong, and then the musicians weren't playing the song, they were playing the song too slow. Uh, so she gets up in front of the piano player and starts bossing them around. She's like, pick it up, pick it up. <laughs> that was hilarious. And like, if you, when you, when the shut, the camera was on Whitney, you can see, like, the, the musicians were behind the curtain, but it was, like, it was kind of a slightly see-through curtain, so you can see the mom kind of in the background. <laughs> that, was, that was hilarious. Shout out to all the band kids who have had their fucking instructors literally that same shit where it's, like, make it go faster. Man, we, uh... uh it hurts. We might do Whiplash one, one week. Whiplash is... Oof. Uh, y'all ever seen it? I've only I've only seen half that movie because I was at a commune and all the white people would not stop talking, and I was like, I just want to watch this thing that you put on. <laughs> like it felt like worse than being in a podcast. It was like it's just just shut up. What's in this weed? Because <laughs> it's not doing this to me. Then we get a the, the typical musician biopic montage of her in the recording studio and. We see her trying out different songs, and we get a few familiar ones, but we, she settles on uh, pulling together How Will I Know, right? And and we get bits of the music video the music video shoot in the montage as well. So I was trying to figure out, I couldn't figure out how I wanted to do this. Like, how do I, how do we get to the... How do you know? <laughs> how will I know what your favorite songs are? So just, if, if you, if you want to sing something, I don't know, just... just jump in right because <laughs> i know what my favorites are like this, ha, let's see how will i know queen of the night come on like that did uh, well i could just say i could just say it like 
when I was a, a young man and I first saw that music video, I was like, wow, girls are great. Like, it was just like, that seems like, that seems good. Those are, that's a, oh yeah. And I loved that song. It was like one of my favorites. Uh, Where did Nippy come uh, from? Though? Yeah. So I was I, thinking about that too. Because, you know, black people just be given family members names. It doesn't matter. But at the same time, like how they get to it, they'll never address it. Nobody. Yeah, I know a, I know a grown man. They call him Spunkum. 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 I don't know what it is. <laughs> I think his I think his real name is. is Leslie, and it's like no, nah, we gonna call you Spunkum. I'm like okay. Like they named him when he was three, and it. <laughs> they were like do over Spunkum. <laughs> um, uh, Tara, do you have a? Yes, I have three favorite Whitney no, songs. Man, Queen name. of the Night. <laughs> oh, name? Oh, ask her she wait, got a My, I do have a Isn't nickname. Isn't it uh, No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, mine is Buddha because when I was a baby, I was fat uh, and my aunt's Chinese. And so, you know, there's so, that. So, I mean, Hi, that baby. worked out, but you know your aunt didn't have to be Chinese for. <laughs> I, I I knew a Buddha also, but anyway, what what are your favorite Whitney songs? Since I'm gonna stop derailing this. No, you're fine. Queen of the Night. Yeah. Um, I'm your baby tonight, and I will always love you. Okay, I'm gonna get to mine later. <laughs> so yeah, next we got a like scene where Robin wakes up Whitney. And she's like, your song's playing on the radio. And, you know, they're all excited. And Whitney asks Robin to be a manager. And Robin agrees. Uh, she you knows she messes with her first. She's like, you can't afford me. <laughs> but she's like, you know, Whitney's mom, Whitney, your mom's never going to go for me being your manager. You know she hate me. And she's like, well, we going to go to daddy then. <laughs> so they, I forgot what her father does, but I think he manages the mom. I know that. But, like, he had an office, right? Yeah. He also had like assistants and stuff because this is a running joke that they never quite address in the movie is that Whitney knows her dad cheats on the mom or at least like keeps these young girls around. So every time he practically got caught. So yeah, every time she comes in and like one of the secretaries or whatever is around him, she's always like, bye. And he talked to my daddy alone. Get out the room. <laughs> she, look, I'm going to say this all episode. Naomi Aki acted her ass off. And this was one of the moments where, or one of the things where I kept noticing, like, she nailed that, like, get out my face look. Because she does it no, no, like three she or four got, different times in the movie. She got those, <laughs> those Whitney, because those were the, 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 the moments Whitneyisms, yeah. Yeah, I started to really, I guess everybody, when you start to see those sides of Whitney mm-hmm. Houston, it was like, okay, so you just don't mess with her. Yeah. All right. Yeah, the, cool. the diva side. Because, mm-hmm. like, I remember, who was it? It was it was Whitney and Mariah Carey had, like, a frenemy beef. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think it was full-on beef, but it was they were definitely, like, frenemies. And, like, because they did, like, a performance together, and it was a huge deal, right? Because, oh, you got the two biggest divas in the game you know, working with each other. Wait, wasn't that for Prince of Egypt? I don't know. I have to double check that. Oh, I, I, I can't remember. Ever. I forgot about that. Yeah. Damn. Uh, but yeah, like, 
because that's a huge deal because like Whitney was a diva so like you saw her go from they never say it but if you're paying attention you see her start out real humble and she starts getting these moments where like she gets buck with people and man Naomi Aki nailed those moments definitely well you gotta remember though like they called Whitney princess yeah. like before she was America's princess her dad was like you're, you're my, my princess. princess you're my yeah. princess and mom be like you got this princess so it was instilled in her and it seems I, I believe she was the only daughter like in the family and was probably the youngest so unfortunately to a certain degree that mentality can persist Ooh. and then you find 100%. out you got vocals that's hmm? 100% and, and you like you got that power mm. Right, and her mom also had diva tendencies, oh, so yeah. it's not surprised that even like yeah. her picking up Dion Warwick yeah. is her aunt, bro. Like <laughs> she had bad bitches all around it's in her, her. Blood. and anybody. It's, it's in her blood. Like she started. That's how she explained herself to Robin on on the park. It was like, yeah, my mom's Sissy Houston, my first cousin's Dion Warwick, and all of us can sing. <laughs> so. Sorry, aunt. Family member. Yeah, she's she in there somewhere, right? Babbages uh, all around me because game don't stop. <laughs> oh man. So but yeah, so she goes to her dad and like uh they go to her dad's office and doesn't he doesn't like the idea, but he tells them, Okay, this is what you do. You go in public, uh, and you be seen with boys. You go on public dates it's, with boys. This felt so rude. Yes, but that. He a rude dude to begin with, but also like the time. And it's one of those things where this scene specifically, like it kind of lets you know a lot more than what was said. So I don't know if it, I wasn't, I'm not sure if I'm reading it right. I'm not sure if the dad knew Whitney liked girls or if the dad just knew that Whitney and Robin that out there. Yeah. We're together. But he already like knew and accepted it, but he knew, but he didn't care enough, right, about it. He just cares about the money public, and public, public persona. So he's like, "Just this is what you let the public think of you, and that's all." And then you know we can go from there. And but Robin was like, "Nah, like I'm I'm not gonna do that." Like she was real upfront that nigga, I'm a lesbian. Yeah, she didn't I... say it. <laughs> But she said no to him, and then he was like, okay, that's what I thought. Like, you just confirmed my suspicions kind of thing. And then he, but he still went back and said, just be seen in public with boys. Like, that was his criteria. And Robin was 100% against it. Uh, But like, and he might have been against them being together, but he wasn't going to stop them. He just said, be seen in public. Like, basically hide it, right? Yeah. And at this point, this is the... What is it? This is 83, I think. So, yes, it's not 2023, that's for sure. It's not right. But it's okay. <laughs> I was like, please, don't leave me hanging. Awful. <laughs> you sick of us. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Then we see Whitney recording with Jermaine Jackson, and one of the audio engineers is like, man, they have good chemistry. And, <laughs> and then we see Whitney at home telling Robin she slept with Jermaine, and Robin Did loses you, it. That was such a... I, yeah. I had to rewind this movie twice, because I was like, wait, what? That was abrupt. Whitney really said... 
<laughs> when he said thug life i'm gonna go home to my look, girlfriend daddy and said be like, hey, <laughs> i fucked this dude and like look this is what? this is the wild shit to me but it, it goes into you mentioning that she already had princess mentality because i'm not going to get into that whole thing the mentalities and all that or at least how it was explained to me but her having the audacity to just go tell Robin when clearly y'all were a thing, right? Like, you might not have ever said it out loud, but y'all were living together, sleeping together, like, it's a thing, right? That, yeah, I slept with Jermaine Jackson. <laughs> and, like, it was... Real cash. Real cash. Real cash. Like, she went to McDonald's and was like, I went to McDonald's and got a double right? cheeseburger and some and fries. Like... like Nafisa Williams sells this part because she that like that flip like you get like a quick second of her like did you really just you just going you just going to like <laughs> she that quick second like oh you what you just came out your mouth and said that and then she starts flipping out and like she she destroys the vacuum and flips the tape it was it was kind of funny. Uh, it was so, it was so gentle though. Like it was the gentlest rage I had ever seen. She was just like, Meh. I mean, she, so she slowly break flipped everything. the table, and then I forgot. At some point, Whitney says something else, and she like RKO's the vacuum cleaner. Like I don't know why I was fixated on that vacuum cleaner, but it was funny to me. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> he's like, I'm not cleaning up this apartment. I'm not cleaning up. I don't know who's gonna clean this up. I was like, wow. oh man. Uh, Whitney's like, we agreed to see guys, and Robin's like, you know, uh, guys, and Robin goes, but we didn't agree to screw him. <laughs> Whitney gets mad at Robin because she's smashing up the place, and she just starts eating ice cream. <laughs> no, no, that was that was classic. She's still mad. She's too. still she mad. She goes through the kitchen, comes back, slaps herself down in the chair. She's eat ice cream like I don't know why you acting mad. <laughs> Honestly, it makes you want to go get ice cream right now. I like, did. Straight out the fridge. Look, <laughs> I got to get an ice cream. I was like, me too. I was weak through this whole thing. Uh, Whitney says she wants a family, a husband, faith. She says she wants a husband, faith, and family. And Robin's like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Robin tells her she loves her and they can love each other. And Whitney responds, yeah, you can go to hell. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> she, she goes, we can go to hell for this kind of shit. I don't want to go to hell. Like, <laughs> this is when Damn, you done did look, it. Like this is when Robin to... uh, RKO's the vacuum. We can go to hell for this kind of shit. I don't want to go to hell. <laughs> Robin RKO's the vacuum cleaner, and like Whitney goes and sits next to her, and like he's like, you know, you're my best friend. And toxic, toxic. (laughs) Whitney Houston pulled a Drake. Drake took his lines from Whitney Houston. He must have been. I don't know, but that was a toxic ass move, Whitney. Oh man, like she knows she wrong. She started off wrong. Just like, hey, by the way, I slept with Jermaine Jackson. Uh, (laughs) Like just just the directness. Look, (laughs) Uh, but you know my, you know you're my best friend. You know, just just stick with me. And Robin sticks with her, like forever. Damn. Next, we see Whitney with Clive Davis, and they're picking songs. And she picks "I Want to Dance with Somebody," you know, the, the titular song. Uh, yeah. But the scene, they kind of make it imply like it's about her wanting to be with Robin, but she can't. Uh, which we don't know. Maybe, uh, right? Uh, probably. 
probably. I'd be willing to go out. Yeah, it's him. not. That's plausible. Yeah. Good. Good work. I don't know what else it is. I mean, she didn't write the song, so it's not they, like she, they it, did give the they did give the feeling or like they that's alluded why she to her picking songs about what she's got going on, which yeah. is pretty. Yeah, which is fair because she turned the one song down early on and then came back and sung it when she was you know going through shit later on. I, oh, I ain't I ain't had no lost love. I ain't tired. I'm tired. Ain't nobody gonna listen to this song. Sad. Ain't no man gonna do. Ain't no man gonna do me like that. I leave him first. Mm-hmm. I was like, girl, <laughs> that was a lie. Lie detector determined. Freeze frame, record scratch. You might be wondering how I ended up in this situation. Bobby <laughs> Brown walking around like on the other side of the country, like y'all, do y'all back of y'all ears itch. <laughs> I feel like somebody already talking about me. Don't even know who I am. <laughs> oh man, but yeah. So we get another montage uh, with uh, the "I Want to Dance with Somebody" video, and like now she's like, you know, she's a big deal. She's lifting it up because uh, it was number one on the charts. And uh, and Clive Davis told her every time she gets the number one single, he gets her a bottle of Dawn. <laughs> King shit once again. Yeah. All right. And then we get the radio interview where uh, he asked her to respond to criticism of her music not being black enough and that she's a sellout. And like, this was one of the, I, think, I guess this was the second time where that Whitney attitude came out and she clapped back. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't write it down verbatim, but it was, it was pretty good. That was, that was well acted because yeah. it was so reminiscent of those times mm-hmm. where Whitney was like, listen, you want to get smacked in the mouth? Because I'll do it. It's like Look, she was just. This was the second or third time that I was like, "Damn, Naomi Aki's acting her ass off." Like it was, mm-hmm. it was perfect. Then we see uh, Whitney move into a mansion, and her her dad living it up, handing out the black card, black Mastercards to uh, all his little secretaries. That scene made my. <laughs> I was so I was hot. He walked into the like, office. Like just the energy, he just knew he was the shit, you know. And he says it later on, like you know, I, you know, I'm the boss. Uh, he walking around handing out black cards, black cards, no limits, to all eighteen of his little girl secretaries. Oh man, all the hoes. <laughs> Do you know, like that's the equivalent of like Camilla or whatever old girl's name is. Like the memes lately of her coming out, where it's like, Ooh. damn, I didn't even know the side chick could become the queen either, and yet here I am. <laughs> It's like that same equivalent energy of being like, damn, I ain't even fucking him, but I get a black heart. Like, wow, what a way to come up in the world. And you know, and you know all of those women knew and just looked at each other like, we got this. We all in. <laughs> we made it. Where was I? Where was I during this time? Not born you, yet. I was like, probably sperm <laughs> and an egg. Oh, no. Nah. I don't think you were born yet. Yeah, that's what I said. I was probably still a sperm and an egg, but I really had a missed opportunity universe. I think I was already 30. Okay, well, I was 30. You're in the movie. <laughs> I'm one of, I'm the bartender. <laughs> I saw you at the nineteen ninety-four American Music Awards. It was how was the seat filling? <laughs> Oh God! Oh, man. So then we see uh, Whitney's dad tell him, telling her to fire Robin because the tabloids are noticing that they're real close, right? And like Whitney reminds Daddy that he works for her, 
He didn't like that. Oh, At first, that I was... thought that she fired him, but she didn't fire him yet. Mm-hmm. But it was a very clear, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I know you're my manager <laughs> because I'm your boss. <laughs> you work for me. Oh, he did not like that. And like he... all... The tabloids is like, is Whitney Houston's friend hair kind of short? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Look, they said that like eight <laughs> times in the movie. Why you here? Why you wear your hair so short? She's like, cause that's Get them the, girls some wigs. It's easier to maintain. Like, mm. <laughs> Grow your hair out. Grow, they they just kept mentioning how short her hair is. Uh, but like that was all. No, but that was like black code. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> that's how, that's how black folks say it without saying. <laughs> like, hey, girl, your hair real the short. Woman who a ball-headed scallywag, <laughs> the second any time that your hair gets cut, it's a problem. What you going through? What's wrong? What man hurt you? Or I'm lazy. Yeah. Okay? That was her response. It was easier to maintain. Yeah, there, nothing beats just rolling out of bed, bitch. Like, nothing. And just being like, done. Look, half the time when I cut my beard is because I don't want to, like, it saves time trying to get to work because I'm always late. <laughs> this is this is the product of not enjoying the process of shaving. Mm-hmm. The one of my friends was like, "Oh, but aren't you like, uh, aren't you like non-binary?" I was like, it, 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 "That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This is still laziness." <laughs> it means non-binary. Non-binary means I don't have to conform to anything. Which one? Wait, Tim. What are your pronouns? I've never oh, asked. I I, didn't know I, I accept he because i am 90 years old and it, it's just it's you, you you turning back time is difficult i don't fight anybody on stuff I, I have a hard enough time being brown as it is but i accept that thank you good to know but if somebody starts to get on my case about my the way i present i will cut somebody <laughs> somebody was like you for being non-binary you sure do present mail buy me some clothes bitch <laughs> Also, non-binary coded clothes are boring. That you you look like you're in like some sort of like gay military. That's that's it. <laughs> like a gay warehouse worker, like a slightly uh, gay okay. warehouse worker. That's that's what they all look like. I'm gonna go cry. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. Look at me, I'm in the, look at me. I'm in I'm in the non-binary warehouse. We wear a lot of gray and sometimes fuchsia for fun. <laughs> I'm weak. <laughs> it's just me and Robin cutting our hair short and <laughs> getting on everybody nervous. Oh. It's easier to maintain. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so. Next we get the Soul Train Awards scene where she meets Bobby Brown. And and you know, she man, she wasn't just flirting with him, like she was flirting hard, like oh. when she was smacking him over the head with the, with the purse. <laughs> so, oh I'm sorry. Oh, I was this I'm gonna look this way now. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Uh and when they mentioned Whitney's uh, nomination, the crowd boozer, and uh, like Whitney's real taken aback, like, are they booing me? And Bobby turns around and he tells her, don't even worry about it. They all dogs. And like, this was the moment where she just fell in love with them. She she tells Robin to give her a pen and a business card. And she writes her digits down and gives it to him right there. She tells Robin, give me a business card and a pen. Mm. Robin like, really? 
That one right here? Right? <laughs> that one right there? And like, we, uh, we, well, we'll get to it in a second. We, yeah, so she tells her how she feels about him. Then we see Whitney back in Clive Davis's office, and she wanted to transition more to R&B because, I mean, we don't know for sure, but we're assuming that that affected her, how mm. how black people were treating her. And it paid off. Which is cool. What'd you say? To me, I said, which is interesting to me because as far as I knew, niggas loved Whitney Houston. This like, is all yeah. stuff I, I didn't hear about so, happening to Whitney Houston, but I heard it happened to Mar- Mariah Carey kind of often. See, here's the thing. I didn't know about the Mariah Carey thing. And this happened before I was born to Whitney. So when, as far back as I can remember, Whitney was already like icon status for black people. Yeah. So I didn't know about this until the documentary. That's when I learned everything about Whitney mm-hmm. pretty much. And I said, like, oh, that's that's wild. Like, I didn't even... I wouldn't, I wouldn't even thought of that because yeah. everybody was doing music that was sort of just like right down the lane of yeah. like just Especially in the high 80s. energy and pop. Yeah, it that's just, all of it Everything had that vibe. Mm-hmm. So for somebody to be like, she not black enough, I was just like... And I could be wrong, I but would, even I would have missed that. Like, listen, think about like what plays on like the old R&B station, right? Like you got like your 70s R&B and you got your 90s R&B. Mm-hmm. But all the '80s stuff is real poppy. Our local um, old school station. I think somebody in there has a real um, crush on. Uh, I can't think of her. Jody Watley. They play there. There. There were four <laughs> popular Jody Watley songs back when she was hot. This they play six Jody Watley songs. Per day. <laughs> <laughs> somebody got a crush on Jody Watley, but she had that sound too. Just the like everything. I don't know. It just it feels weird to hear that people thought she wasn't black enough because yeah. what was, she, was she just supposed to be doing gospel only? That's the, right. Yeah. And Whitney wasn't even light skinned like she was brown skinned mm-hmm. and everything. And this was like I mean, I, not necessarily during the. I'll be the first one to say that yes, for the first two songs, I just thought that Mariah Carey was a white person. <laughs> I mean, if you go back and look at her earliest videos, or I mean, you 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 just be like, was she Greek? As, but. In terms then of white on, rights, like, oh, like, oh, it's geez. more obvious much later on. Yeah, yeah, like that baby had to grow into her color. That's she, all. She's what uh, folks would call passing, right? Oh like dear lord! Yeah, <laughs> save the paper bag. Yeah, you ain't gonna need it. Yeah, which is another movie uh, I'd like us to watch one day. Anyway, so the the move to R and B paid off because next. We see we get a scene with Whitney and Bobby, and we hear someone say that the king and queen of R and B, and they're arriving to an award show. I didn't catch which award show it was, but she was nominated for like four different nominations under uh, four different awards under R and B. So it worked out, as we know. Well, yes, that's uh, remember Clive was like, well, Babyface and L.A. Reid, two of the realest in yeah. the game, especially during that yeah, time. They're doing some, are real- you know. Yeah, or doing some real work. You wanna you wanna see what that's about? She was like, Yeah, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you said fuck black writers, I can out. fire all these other people. <laughs> I'll make uh-huh. it easier for us to pick good songs. We won't have to listen to these trash ones anymore. Would that be easy for you? He was real smooth about it. If he was portrayed like mm-hmm. he is in real life, I love him because he very much was just kinda like, You've got the talent. I'm just gonna help you pick the right songs. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he's like in real life, but I will say he is a producer on the movie, so he <laughs> gotta make me look good. Yeah, <laughs> really, Tucci? Nobody younger. 
Oh, yeah, but he definitely, in the movie, is an angel. And then we see, uh, okay, this this is the scene. <laughs> we see Whitney and Robin hanging out in the car, ragging on each other, right? And, like, Robin tells Whitney she thinks Bobby's a hoe. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Whitney denies it. And then Robin gets a phone call from, from a girl she's seen, and, like, Whitney teases her. So it's like, we know what Robin thinks of Bobby, but also Robin's living her own life, and good for her, you know? So, and, but they're also still best friends. So, like, it's like everybody's winning to an extent right now. Yeah, and I bet Robin was a fine stud back in the day, too. So I know she had, I know she was probably having just, like, all the hoes, respectfully, to, to the hoes. It's like, oh, Robin, you mean you, you used to date Whitney Houston? Hi. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably how the tabloids were getting info. Anyway. <laughs> Oh, Robin's girlfriends. <laughs> Shit, actually, you probably couldn't be. Sure, might be your brothers. Who knows? Might have been Pat, because Pat's the executive producer on this, and I think on the uh, the documentary. Anyway, so then we see Whitney and Bobby in a limo making out, and Bobby proposes to her, <laughs> and she accepts, but immediately Bobby tells her he got somebody pregnant. No, see. See, that's, that's like, oh, okay. I'm going to just, because like I, I think I've explained before, because of the way I speak and the pattern of my voice, I'm not uh, loose on juice right now. <laughs> that's real N-word attitude. <laughs> I'll say it. That's, that's big nigga energy. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was like, he was like, man, I just want to be with you for the rest of my life. By the way. And she's like, Yes. He's like, oh, thank you. Oh, I'm so relieved. By the way, my girl pregnant. My my ex girlfriend pregnant, and I, don't uh, think we ever, I just really had to get that off my chest. We never see her in the movie, right? He said he he said Kim. I don't know Kim. Who do we, are we supposed to know who Kim is? I'm not sure. Like if it's, if she's a somebody famous. Or, okay, I don't know enough to know, but I do know that Nafisa Williams played Kim or a Kim in. The Lifetime movie. Oh, they're <laughs> trying to, they're see, trying to see, out somebody. You see, but <laughs> that's kind of funny, right? Oh. Now I want to go see the Lifetime movie to know if that if she played that character, but yeah. now she plays Robin. Isn't that goofy? Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> she got to be in both. That's actually really cool, actually. Yeah, shout out. <laughs> but. Anyway, yeah, so Robbie tell Rob, Rob or Bobby, sorry, Rob <laughs> Jesus. Bobby tells Whitney he got somebody pregnant and Whippy flips out, <laughs> makes the car the limo stop, and she runs out in traffic and Bobby runs out after her, begging her to stay. And she does. Uh <laughs> this was real hilarious. ratchet hit, by the way. Real, real this, ratchet moment. This was one of the first history. like glimpses of them being crazy together. And I didn't watch the show, I was I was still well, I don't think I was young. I was grown enough to watch the show, but I, I was never really big into reality shows. But the Bobby and Whitney reality show, the little bit I've seen of it, this was 100% that. <laughs> like that energy that I remember from the bit I saw maybe, was recaptured. Maybe that was the idea is they, yeah. they slipped this in there so they didn't have to cover the show. <laughs> yeah. The show was messy. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't even mention the show. But yeah. yeah. Which... Back to what Tara said, it was very classy. They didn't talk about the messy show. They didn't talk about crack is whack. 
shoot, I had to rewind a few times to notice some of the drug stuff. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, how, you know what? Uh, thumbs down to Taylor Hansen's tacky ass for giving her all that crap. <laughs> I don't know if they meant to pick somebody that looked just like Umbop, but that's what they did. Look, that was a code word. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let me get your autograph. Umbop. <laughs> Look, I so I say this later on uh, in my notes, but I remember there was a scene with them leaving somewhere in a limo and the camera held too long on this white dude with long hair in, in, yep, that in was the crowd. Was... Yep. And I was like, why did they, that's a weird mm-hmm. shot. Why did they linger on him? Why did they, like, it bugged the mess out of me for an hour before yeah. we see him again. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Because <laughs> we don't see the transaction, right? We just see him. Mm-hmm. And it held long enough. He's like, can I have your autograph, Whitney? And she's like, yeah. And that was it. But then it held on him way too long after she pulled off. I was like, why? Yep. Why? Why did it stay? Was that bad editing? And and like, it, it, sorry, it really irked me. Uh, <laughs> payoff. Payoff. <laughs> yeah, I should have looked. Trust the process, right? <laughs> we got you, Tiff. We, I think we I just you. had it in my head that like people hate this movie. So anytime I. That's why I really try to avoid like hearing things about movies before I watch them. Some you can't like because if I don't see it in theaters, then it's a wrap, right? Uh, That's a good point. So, so I had in the back of my head that people didn't like this movie, and I was like, "What was that? Was that bad editing? Uh, <laughs> do I not like this movie? Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we're the critics, right? <laughs> so then, um, we see now we're seeing her film the bodyguard. And like Whitney had asked Clive if she could do a movie, and he went and found one for her because Clive's an angel, right? And during the filming, turns out she was pregnant, but she lost the baby. I didn't know that. Yeah. And, or maybe I didn't. I forgot. I don't know. I didn't know that Kevin Costner requested. Her I didn't know that, that either. Wait. Say that again. That Kevin Costner requested her personally. Because remember, she was like, I don't want to do this script. She like, this script right is the trash. trash. And then Clive was like, Kevin said he wants you. She was like, Kevin who? Kevin Costner? She said, sounds great. I Did I miss that part? <laughs> I didn't know that either. That's funny. Uh, how about how about the actingception at this part? She Which was, was wild. She was, she was acting as Whitney Houston, who is acting in a movie. I was like, <laughs> you know what? I love this. Layers. <laughs> Three layers deep. <laughs> uh, That's, it just felt like, is she is she thinking this as she's doing it? Or is she just like chilling out and just reading lines? Because damn. <laughs> we need you to act like you're acting. <laughs> like you're acting. There's just... <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so then we see uh, Whitney backstage and Clive tells her that the songs in the movie aren't doing her any justice. And if the songs are bigger, then the character will be bigger. And he tells her that Kevin Costner, <laughs> uh, her bodyguard co-star, found a Dolly Parton uh, song, and I will always love you. And he suggested it, that she uh, sang the song. I didn't know that. Kevin Costner didn't have <laughs> anything He's else to do beast. with his life. He's like, I love Whitney Houston. I just want her in a movie. Don't really give a fuck so look, about anything else. Like, I I get it. I get it. I get it. Like, 
Waterworld is his only deep. mistake. And even now, if you go back and watch the movie, there's so much potential. They just should have had other people involved. <laughs> if, if Fury Road can work, then Waterworld should have worked. I get that. But. And honestly, this is like Whitney Houston at her peak fineness. So I know the tension was just like <laughs> thick of Kevin Costner being willing to risk it all for this married black woman who postponed her wedding to do this mm-hmm. movie. And Kevin Costner's like, I'll risk it for the biscuit. I don't care. And I need to go back and watch The Bodyguard because I was, I was really young the last it's time I saw it. been a few years since I've seen but that, actually. I loved that. I bet you we're going to go back and watch it and it's like, well, they're not even acting. <laughs> They, 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 they. Kevin Costner actually really got shot for her in real life. Did you know that? <laughs> he wanted her That's for the not... movie, and he picked the song, her, which became an iconic song. Oh Look, my goodness! Did you know? I think this is the part where I wanted to talk about this. Yeah, did you know that there was a woman in the UK that played "And I Will Always Love You" on full blast on repeat? For two weeks straight until she got arrested for it. Whoa. (laughs) I also didn't know I Will Always Love You was a Dolly Parton song until like very recent. Swore it was just what you said. I learned that in the documentary. (laughs) You guys guys have probably heard. It's it's not recent news, Mm -hmm. but it's going around. Dolly Parton shopped that song to Elvis. And he liked it. Was that an Elvis movie? I haven't seen it yet. Well, I, I don't know where this information came from, but the the story is that Elvis really liked it, but his manager was like, if, if Elvis does your song, he gets all the rights. And Dolly went, nah. <laughs> so she has the she ha, she owns the rights to that yeah. song. So when Whitney Houston made it triple mm-hmm. the size it had ever been, uh Dolly was just like, All right, so Dolly World Two is on is, uh, is happening. <laughs> Look, Dolly Dolly is an angel. Dolly loves Dolly loved they met and they apparently she was like I love her she's mm-hmm. the best she did my song so good I mean you can't Dolly Parton there's there there are not cookout invites there really aren't but yeah if there were yeah yeah like she is one thousand percent an unproblematic white woman to my knowledge and if she ever became problematic I'd be a little sad she would actually she'd ask who made a potato salad though like she she sends out free books to children like uh we we sign little tiff up for it and he just aged out of it so for That's four crazy. years he got uh he got free books from dolly parton oh my yeah. god like and that's what she did with her month with her <laughs> and i will always love you royalties <laughs> <laughs> thanks dolly and whitney and kevin <laughs> <laughs> and to some degree clive well, now, yeah, and clive. who's dolly Kevin out of us now, now that we have another three people who apparently love each other so much. Who's Dolly, who's Whitney, and who's... Look, I really gotta pontificate on that. Because, like, who who's the... I I don't know. We'll circle back. We'll circle back. You don't want to ask Whitney, huh? You don't want to address that part? Well, we already know I'm Beyonce. I was laughing. Look, I was actually practicing my Beyonce impression, and I kept busting out laughing because I already have a deep voice. With it. <laughs> I couldn't. Yeah. Anyway, uh, there's an episode of Southside where uh, I forgot her name, but the the girl cop is calling a little girl 
and pretend she's trying the girl ran away from home so she called her to try and like convince her to come back and she print she was trying to pretend to be beyonce she said hey i'm i'm, I'm beyonce this is beyonce <laughs> but like when i tried to do it i was just sounding like myself anyway <laughs> we'll circle back we'll figure it out at the end of the episode <laughs> Uh, so then we get her performing uh, on tour and getting married to Bobby. All right, cool. Her wedding dress was dope. Yeah, her little yeah. her little hat. I don't know what you call that, but <laughs> anyway, we get a scene with Robin and Bobby arguing over uh, creative control or something, and Whitney breaks it up, and she's like, "Look, I need y'all both, just to show that like everything isn't hunky dory between the two, which makes sense." No, once again, it's not right. Uh, the like, you take Bobby, who he is. You know, men already have egos, but then famous men definitely have egos. And at this point in time, you just married the baddest woman in the game, right? And how you look, hearing that she has, you know, she has a side piece. That's also a woman. So. Like you married to Whitney Houston and you know Ralph Tresmant? <laughs> you fool of yourself. You know, black men, especially in this period, are very homophobic. Uh, so, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's as a people, we're not where we need to be. We're getting there. We're, just, we're still not where we need to be. Two steps so, forward. Uh... Yeah. So back then, for sure. So, like, Bobby definitely felt some kind of way, right? Mm. Uh, so he. I know he hated Robin. <laughs> uh, but Robin, you know, even if they weren't together together, they're still best friends. So Robin was always in his face like, nah, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But now we get a scene where, uh, now I made sure I made a note of this, uh, Whitney's at practice and Ricky, who, they never tell you who Ricky is, but I just assume he's like the band manager, right? Uh, Tells her he wants to put together three big songs in one medley for her. And they don't even say what performance it is. They just say big performance. But it's the American Music Awards one, right? Uh, and he's like, I love you, Porgy. And I'm telling you, and I have nothing. And Whitney's like, that's crazy. And it would be climbing like like one song is hard. You want me to do three? And that would be like climbing Mount Everest without any oxygen. Like, and But, but Ricky's like, look. I think you can do this, but if it's too hard, no, he <laughs> he pulled that shit on purpose, man. <laughs> like she was mad, and like she tried it out, and but she couldn't. Or I don't. Know if she it's not that she couldn't. She she gave up she, before she really gave it an. I must say, she could not pull it off because she had to do a twelve count, a six count, and a four count. So holding a note for twelve, for six, and for four, which is difficult. In of itself, like, mm -hmm. band geeks once again. I don't know what and any of this means, what, but yeah. But what fucked her up is she's like, you're having me hold for, what is that, 24 counts in total, and then go up half an octave to get into I have nothing, and she's like, I don't, I literally don't have time. Like, I don't have the time. And he's like, you, I don't have the space. I don't you, have you the can take a breath. He's like, you're fine. You can take, we can slip into breath. Yeah, he's like, you can take a quick breath after me, and she's like, bro, <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, so she gets hot and she storms out, and Ricky's like, "You're gonna do it, and and you're gonna like it." <laughs> and she's like, "Whatever," and like leaves. So that, like, I have to rewind that part because I was, 
I thought I was going crazy because I was like, well, where was the performance? And my dumbass didn't even catch what, 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 like, that's why you got to trust the process, Tiffron. Once again, trust the process. <laughs> right. Uh, so keeping it going. So we find out everything in the, is in the company's name now and needs her dad's approval. Like, wasn't she trying to like fly or something? And they're like, no, nah, we need your dad approval yeah. to use jet. <laughs> also, there's been a time skip because now we see that Bobby Christina's in the picture, right? She's at some point she had had a baby. Whitney sees Bobby Brown is in home. And then we see her using drugs for the first time in the movie. So like that kind of like, or in, in this scene that set her off, you know, and not even like, like real drugs, like not just the weed that we saw her using in the beginning of the movie. That's what I mean. Like first time. Then the next day, Bobby comes home and she kicks him out because she found evidence that like he was cheating on her. Hey, good for you, Whitney. But that's another thing. We don't know which time this was because we know in real life they get back together and they break up, they get back together. But in the movie, technically, there's one breakup and that's it, right? Right. So I get that criticism, but also we don't have the time for all of that. No. Uh, so I'm still sprinting. Yeah, I, I don't really hold it against them. I get I, I get that it's weird because everyone knows that they were on again, off again. But oof, I don't. <laughs> that's a that's a movie in itself, right? No, that was a TV show in itself. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, now we see Whitney sitting uh, back with Clive again, another time skip, and Clive tells her she's only released seven pop songs in eight years, and none of them, and no albums, right? And Whitney's like, "I'm tired. All black women are tired." <laughs> Once it, that was another hashtag. You got damn right. Sorry, just have to throw that out. There. That was another moment One where time. I was like, "Damn, Naomi Ackie's acting her ass off." Because that was like, a, like, a, like how she did it was like a perfect Whitney cadence. <laughs> all black women are tired. Uh, and she confronts her dad about spending all the money, and he's trying to to cut a deal. Or no, this is funny. So she confronts him, but he's like in like a hotel lobby or something. She just storms up. And this is another moment where she like, you know, does a boss bitch Whitney thing. And this time to a bunch of like old white dudes. And like one of the white guys was just like, they're like record executives, I guess, because he's trying to cut a deal for a world tour for her. But she wants, you know, she wants to fuss at him. So she makes everybody else leave. And before one of them leaves, he's like, I loved you in Cinderella. And the way she stares this man in his nose. <laughs> Amazing. Once again, uh, it. strong mom energy. Like, I ain't going to say it again. Get out of my face. Uh, like she should have said, of course you did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love June Cinderella. <laughs> but yeah, he's like, I'm, I'm cutting this deal uh, for this world tour. And when it's done, you're going to see I'm still the boss. And Whitney tells him, I don't have a boss, but I do have a vacancy for a father. Storms out. Ooh, cold. Mm, feelings hurt. <laughs> then we get to the first new song, uh, the first new song in the montage in a while. You know, we were getting a lot of those in the beginning. Well, Whitney busts into Clive's, Clive Davis's hotel room in the middle of the night and he and starts asking for new songs. And like, they don't say it, but how. Clive answers the door kind of implies like he knew she was high mm-hmm. <laughs> and just how she was acting energy through. yeah it's two o'clock in the morning you bouncing on my couch <laughs> look 
but this is how we see um, him play a sample for uh, It's Not Right, But It's Okay. And she's like, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. And so we get the montage with them them in the hotel room spliced in with the music video for it. And that's, that's another one of my, uh, well, I haven't actually said my favorite Winnie songs yet, but that's on the list. <laughs> then we see her on a world tour, which had 70 stops, which is insane. Ugh. How many stops in Texas do you think she had, Tim? <laughs> I mean, there's only four big places to play in Texas, right? How many? Oh, I was I was making a joke about the Thundercat. <laughs> oh boy! He on a world tour and he go to Texas seven times. He got a girlfriend in Texas. Look, you must be. That's from what Texas. I'm telling you. There's there's a girl in Texas. I've been on tours with people. Don't look at who I've been on tour with. Never mind. I'm not gonna say no, no. Never mind. Stop talking. Um, I'll cut I'll the stop. I stopped. Going, move, on, move on. I'll cut that part. I'll cut that part. We'll talk offline. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm not trying to break up any families. Oops. Never mind. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so it's 70 stops. Wow, crazy. But we start yeah, to get a montage of her, her troubles during the tour. And everyone else, including the media, noticing like she's going through some stuff, right? And then Clive sits her down and has a come-to-Jesus moment. <laughs> And we get a scene where Robin's trying to get Whitney to to get some help, but Bobby's like, "Nah, you know we, nah, she's gonna stay. She's gonna still do the tour, yada yada yada." So Robin cared about her friend's health. Bobby, I guess, cared about the money. Not that he didn't care about Whitney, but he wanted her to stay on the tour, even though she she won't go make it right. Uh, and that's when Robin's like, "All right, well, your dad's in the hospital." And Bobby knew, but he purposely didn't tell Whitney because he was like, I was going to tell you after the show. <sighs> that was real ratchet shit. Yeah. Real, real inward shit as <laughs> Severe. And we quote. <laughs> uh, so Whitney goes to see your dad in the hospital and he quickly, or goes to see your dad in the hospital and quickly tells him that Pat is going to handle managing her. Which they never establish who Pat is. Pat is her brother's wife, one of her brother's wife, mm-hmm. and that like yeah, that's correct. Uh, and he could he could take it easy, but he gets angry, and he goes from telling her it's it's BS to let anyone else manage her because he's been doing it her whole life and how he used to wipe the butt and all that stuff, and now she gonna need to get some good lawyers because he gonna sue for for a hundred million dollars, and Whitney's like, what hundred million? We ain't got no. <laughs> You spent it all. <laughs> Meanwhile, some girl driving around Savannah, Georgia, like, I wonder if this black car still work. <laughs> it do. She kind of says it too. She said, uh, "She said you only suing me to, or you only want a hundred million or something like that, so you can support your new wife." <laughs> yeah. Which you know, it's probably true. That's probably why he was pushing a world tour. Uh, yeah. Keep keep that golden goose producing uh then it cuts to the dad is dead now <laughs> well, yeah that was like abrupt yeah i mean yeah, you gonna learn to respect me whitney houston <laughs> funeral <laughs> i mean like tim's doll no. he served his purpose before one oh, no. <laughs> well and his dad looking down from heaven going Perfect. Unnecessary. <laughs> so, 
we see that Whitney didn't go to the funeral. <laughs> uh, her mom goes to the house and finds her high as a giraffe's ass. Is, is that the phrase from emergency? <laughs> or <laughs> high as a giraffe's ass and has her arrested because she gets pulled from the house with, by a cop, right? I don't know. Yes. Oof. Not sure, but a cop dragged her out the house and she ended up in rehab. But the good rehab at like a private yeah. fancy mansion and just some dude was there just making sure she won't messing up, right? And stayed there. She got to swim in the pool, everything. You know, rich people and stuff. Yeah. So uh, she gets out and she meets Bobby somewhere, the hotel bar or something. And she tells him the drugs were there before him, but he didn't make it any better. Then she gives him back the big ass ring. <laughs> that was a big ass ring. Uh, and walks out and left him there begging again. Poor Bobby, right? <laughs> Put that ring on eBay. Look, that jank was huge. Uh, Whitney Houston's ring. Certified pictures. <laughs> that, that ring probably belonged to some drug lord now. Anyway. Does that mean? Sorry. No, I mean... The, the, it, how much you want to? How much you want to bet? Suge Knight was like one of my friends gave me this. And he used his ring. <laughs> Drake got it now. <laughs> Dude, look, don't look at me like that. <laughs> yeah, telling somebody how they're his best friend after he just fucked their best friend or <laughs> something. Else. God's plan. Uh, fast forward to 2009, and Oprah Winfrey introduces uh, Whitney to perform. I guess it's on the Oprah show, right? And I know she did do that. Yeah. It didn't look like the Oprah set. Like it looked bigger than it, but it was the Oprah show. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it was a special episode and they ran down the theater or something. Uh and her mom and her daughter and Clive Davis was there. And like that was like her comeback, one of her comeback moments, right? Uh it cuts to the next scene and we hear on the TV that her comeback tour isn't going well. Oh yeah, she had a whole tour too. Uh, but it isn't going well, and like people walking out, like her voice isn't what it used to be, which you know, when you smoke and do hard drugs, you know, a little bit, a little bit, and like they even had some lady on the t- on the news talking about like she used to be able to, her range was so wide, and she used to be able to do this, and she can't do it anymore. And it's like, mm. I'd be like, bitch, shut <laughs> up. Couldn't be more. That's how Whitney was looking at TV. <laughs> so. Now we fast forward to uh, 2012 and we hear that Whitney is going to perform at Clive Davis's uh, Grammy party or pre-Grammy party is, our, is what it was. And Clive Davis's pre-Grammy party. And she arrives at the hotel with a whole bunch of press outside asking questions and taking pictures. And when one reporter yells, Whitney, are you going back to rehab? <laughs> and she cuts, cuts her eyes at him. And it's like, damn, why are you, why are you, why are you like that? I'm not. Not nice at all. But then <laughs> she meets with uh, uh, Ricky and he tells her to take it easy. Oh, sorry, Whitney wants to wants to do the show, uh, wants to sing at the party. And he's like, you're the only one who wants to sing at this party. <laughs> and she's like, whatever, just get ready to play home. Mm. And then we see her sign an autograph. <sighs> and, yeah. And then this is when I realized, I reround this part about four times. This is when I realized what was happening and why the camera focused on long hair Hanson dude uh, for so long before. And I was like, oh, Shit. This, See, this is, this is see, a I caught it the first time because um, 
I'll be honest. I was trying to figure out what what brand pen it was because it was so <laughs> big. It was like, oh, is that like a is that like? And no, it wasn't anything special, but it was a hollowed out big old fat pen. Yeah, it's like ah, uh, because she it was real. It was real smooth the way she pocketed. I, I remember I'm those like, big she pens. out here stealing pens. <laughs> but it's also interesting when you watch it like both times, like the fact that she pulls out a notepad, like a decent sized notepad, writes big scribble, hands him the whole the notepad, whole but only and then the and pen. she steals so, the pen. Mm-hmm. I didn't cash out the right, first time. So, the second time, I was like, what? And then you see him take money out the notepad and throw the whole book away. And I was like, what? Yeah. Uh, what? Because I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, damn, is somebody trying to set Whitney up for the kill? Like, what is <laughs> happening? Her fingerprints? What is it? It was kind of sad, though, like that. Yeah, I know that your job is, uh, you know, street entrepreneur slash pharmacist. But like you're not even keeping the you're not even keeping the, the photograph. The, the, this, that's Whitney Houston's autograph. Yeah, that was another layer to that scene. Like, like you just straight through it away. Like <laughs> maybe, to a degree, she should be giving you an autograph for the rocks. Look, I was I was thinking maybe she didn't actually sign her name because one of the unlike the fourth time I rewound it, I was like, is she signing her name? I don't know. Because would that be like some sort of implication? I don't know. Maybe I was overthinking it. But also maybe um, like he really just didn't give a shit about her autograph, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is painful. Yeah. Uh, so we get a scene with the bartender, aka Tim, uh, telling her <laughs> she's the greatest of all time, and like he's showing her so much gratitude. And I feel like this would be me, uh, like because remember, if I had to choose somebody to save my mama by blowing down this big ass door. Rick Sorry. Uh so yeah, telling her, you know, she's the greatest of all time. And like you could tell that she like she accepted it, but she also felt bad because she know she's not there anymore, right? Because mm. I guess that was her I mean that was like that That was eighteen years ago in Yeah, her she words. said that was like... eighteen years ago. And he's like, Whatever, you always gonna be the greatest. And that that's me. Like, I don't care about the drugs. I don't care about nothing. Ain't nobody can blow down that door to save my mama like when he used to. <laughs> but yeah, so then we see, we see, we see her in the room singing in the mirror and crying. I couldn't make out what song that was. But they don't straight up show it, but they show enough to let us know that she's about to do drugs. Once again, handled very classy. And they show the bathtub faucet dripping. And they showed the a bathtub faucet dripping in when she was in rehab, I think. Mm-hmm. I did do that. So, like, it's an artsy way of setting up what's to come. And as we know, she died because she uh, she got high and then she drowned in the bathtub. And that's why Smash players don't bathe. Yeah, so it was a really classy and artsy way of showing what's about to happen, and we knew what was about to happen, right? Yeah. Uh, but this is this this whole thing was super beautiful to me, and it, this is why I'm I'm gonna get into it in a second when we give our final thoughts. Like it irked me that people shat on this movie so hard because that was handled so well, and then yeah. instead of it like it just ending in death and sadness, it 
cycles back to the beginning of the movie at the 1994 American Music Award performance. And that's also why they had that random scene in the middle with him talking about the, do Rick, Ricky doing the, uh, we're going to do three songs. He's like, no, it can't be done. It can't be done. And so it cycles back to that moment that the bartender was talking about where he got to see her do the impossible and perform those three songs back to back. And of course, as an audience, we get to see the full performance now. Now we know that like the singing in the movie is actually Whitney, which yeah, of course. So it's like, God, like that that really is insane. Like I can barely get through the secret group of brown kids intro without stuttering eighteen times, and like Whitney has the voice of gods. I went and uh, I put it. I brought it up on YouTube to watch. Mm-hmm. Remembered seeing it, but you know it's been a million years, and uh, no, like I just don't. I can't think of one person that would have been able to like do that with like the gravitas and the mm-hmm. the, the the constant daring the audience to even imagine anyone else doing yep. this. And I got chills, like uh, full on, full body yep, me chills. Too. And oh. this was like the eighteenth moment where I was like, "Damn, Naomi Aki is." acting her ass up. like i got so mad like it's like some of the memes i'm seeing like they're it's they're not even like mm-hmm. making fun of they're not even saying that she can't act they're just saying she doesn't look like her and that she's ugly or they're implying that she's ugly she, she looks like, as much like whitney as you you would have to look for here's, a bio here's the thing nobody really looks like her and then when you make these biopics, you have to have someone who looks close enough and can act. Yeah. And clearly she can act. She acted her ass off. So she deserved that role. And I was blown away because I remember when I saw the trailer for it, or I remember when they announced it, I knew who she was because I saw her in, she's in the bad Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker. I- not <laughs> Not Last Jedi, if you one of those folks. Rise of Skywalker. She's in the bad one, but and she had a really, not a small part, but not a part you could do a whole lot with. And I also saw her. Wasn't she? In, wasn't her part like I am also a black in space? Yeah, like hey Finn, we're both black. Let's be friends. Slash, well, I don't. They didn't really. Anyway. <laughs> hey Finn, remember how we were both slaves in space? Yeah. Black people can't even be. We can't even be autonomous in space. It's cool that you named yourself and uh, you got you got a name that's not a number anymore, and I also have a name that's not a number anymore. Cool. Are we making your friend feel awkward? We are. <laughs> anyway, that's a different episode. But yes. she was in Rise of Skywalker, worst name ever, and Idris Elba's directorial debut, Yardi, which I thought was pretty good. Uh, oh, I don't think I've but seen that. I remember thinking like she doesn't look anything like Whitney but then when I saw the trailer I was like god damn she looks just like Whitney and like maybe I'm crazy but at least in the moment with the makeup and the music and the moment and like how they recreated shots that I clearly remember in my brain I was like oh damn they damn like how they, they, pull they that did off? a I, they did a good job with it because um, something I always do is I'll see one of these movies, even if it's not like a musician. Mm-hmm. If that person can slightly replace them in your mind, yeah. or even a little bit, I yep. think they did a good enough job. 
that's a good way of putting it because that that's that worked for me. Uh, and I was like, okay, wow! Like I was really stunned when like I that, saw the trailer. Like that David Bowie one that, that didn't work. It don't look right. <laughs> it's not enough there to work off of. It, it made me mad because all I could see was the wrong guy. I was like, mm, see, it, nah. and it's a balancing act, right? You got to have someone who looks enough, or at least get them to look enough, like the person. Because everyone has that person in their mind, but also be able to act. And yes. it, it's very rare to have like the Tupac moment. So, like, the Tupac biopic, that dude looked just like Tupac. Like, I guarantee you, he's heard it his whole life, and you know, he probably lived his life here. Dang, Tupac's still alive. Like, he looked just like Tupac, except he was short as shit. But he. Now flip that over it, in the biggie one. Yeah. <laughs> Anthony Mackie had to, had to tell you who he was. <laughs> Well, you wouldn't have known. Wasn't he Puff Daddy? He was Tupac. He was he, he, like, oh, he was, Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie he rolls was, up and goes, "Hey y'all, I'm El, Tupac." It was like, freaking well, you uh, had to tell Antoine Fisher was Puff Daddy in uh in the yeah, anyway yes. anyway like Lakeith Stanfield played Snoop Dogg in Straight Outta Compton. Like you, but you don't hear people shitting on them, right? Anyway, anyway, whatever. I gave, uh, gave her a hard a hard time for being I'm, a woman. I'm gonna give Naomi Ackie her flowers for the rest of the time because to make up for all these memes and stuff going around because you know since it's on netflix it's easily accessible everyone knows who whitney houston is you know folks and their families watching it and they got shit to say and i'm like talk about anything else but she did the thing yeah and well very well so yeah my uh (laughs) favorite uh whitney song is i have nothing so like for them that that being at the end of the medley, I was like, look, this is too much information, whatever. I'm putting myself out there. Sometimes, like, like I listen to music at work, right? And that not my current job, but where I was at before, I had, like, a file cabinet next to my desk. So you only could see my face if I wanted you to see my face. And I'd be, you know, listening to my jams, doing my work or whatever. And I was on Isha, so there was already only, like, a handful of people there at a time. So I really get into my music and my playlist. And like, sometimes I get too into it and I'm listening to Whitney one night and like that song came on and I like, just, it's not even that like the message of the song, the story of the song moved me. It's just her straight up talent, her vocal power. And I'm sitting there tearing up like, God damn, like why nobody can sing like this shit. Hope nobody's looking at me. And like, I'm wiping my eyes. Like, that song is insane, and it's insane that a human can do that. Like Tara's feeling it; she's she's reliving the moment. I'm singing in my Look, head. Like I have nothing. Like I know, and I will always love you is like the go-to, and not knocking anybody whose favorite that is, Tara. Uh, I'm just saying, I have nothing. That's the one where she will blow down the door. <laughs> like man, like that's her Kamehameha. Like that, like. It is insane. And like I, I, I get like that when I really like sit and think about like people who just have like insane talent and like I get emotional just watching them just be in their bag, just do their thing. Like Denzel is like watching Denzel do his thing, watching Whitney do her thing. Like there's a few people where they're so amazing at what they do, I'm just like fuck. Like But that's the hard thing about Whitney. She has so many bangers. I will always love you. I have nothing. Heartbreak Hotel. Oh yeah, bangers. Bangers. I'm just saying like that. I'm your baby tonight. Mm. 
<laughs> Again, it makes me happy that we're not actually on video because oh, yeah, like... <laughs> they can't see you doing your shimmy. <laughs> I'm literally going to take a bath once I finally like put away this laundry that I got to put and away. Put Whitney on, and I might just like add my cue to like just a bunch of Whitney songs and literally just vibe in the tub and have them look. Do it, do it. Sit, sit in the tub and cry to I have nothing. <laughs> I, tears and then think about it. I think I've actually, on more than one occasion, when somebody's like, oh, I want to do a Whitney Houston song in karaoke, like, I've had a couple people be like, oh, I think I could do I have nothing. And I'll be like, you forgot about the key change. And they'll go, <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Nobody can... No, and I'm going to still do it because I've been that person. (laughs) Everybody is usually cruising along just fine, doing not bad, you know, doing what they are able. That key change comes around around and just goes, how's it going? (laughs) It's everybody's cracking. You're not making it up. I can't sing for shit. I've never done karaoke. And anytime I, like, joke around with friends and I pretend to sing, I... Just do the Quiznos rap voice. Ah, we hey. are waiting for it's Quiznos <laughs> because then I don't feel bad about singing the song because <laughs> then I'm purposely sounding bad. You know? <laughs> Matter of fact, I'm building up my cue right oh, yeah. now, uh, and I'm starting out the gate swinging with "You're going to," and I'm telling you the Jennifer Hudson version. Another song that I sing at karaoke disrespectfully, and I'm gonna do it anyway. So yeah, Naomi Aki killed it. Uh, she actually has a very prominent gap, and I'm I'm not insulting her because I I got gaps in my teeth. So she wore I guess she wore fake teeth because I was like, dang, they even like changed your teeth so so it worked with the role. I think that's what really threw me off I'm trying to picture her as Whitney. Uh, but they just you know gave her some fake teeth, and it worked. Whatever, the smile was amazing. I didn't even think about the teeth, and I did read about that. Yeah. I think I've already explained the thing about biopics, right? Versus, like, why they all kind of flow the same way, and musician biopics are the same thing. And so it's already hard. They usually get judged hard, because it's like, oh, another one of these, and they all flow the same way. I get it. But this one specifically also got a bad rap. So there's the... She doesn't look enough like... Whitney, uh, Ashton Sanders. Okay, we get into Ashton Sanders now. They're shitting on him. It's like, really? They got the RZA to <laughs> to do uh, Bobby Brown. It's the worst cast ever. Yada yada yada. And here's my thing with Ashton Sanders. I thought he did eighty percent good. The 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 scene in the limo. He forgot who he was, and RZA came out. Yeah, <laughs> and it was real prominent. I was like, y'all couldn't cut that. Like nobody caught that he. Like it, like it wasn't even his normal speeching speech mm. speech cadence. It was RZA, which he's he acts in. Uh, if you don't know, he's he plays the RZA in uh, the Hulu Wu Tang show, and I don't watch it, but I hear he does a great job. It just <laughs> that character jumped out through Bobby Brown, but outside of that, I think he only did it maybe one other time. It kind of I can't remember the other part. It I think I. It, I heard it come out, but anyway, other other than that, he I thought he he was doing a good Bobby Brown, uh, but because 
he fucked up and Rizzo came out like a like the stink mean a demon. <laughs> Look, that's all people are gonna remember. And I'm sorry, Ashton, but that's it. And the other problem is they don't know they don't know him as anybody other than and I'm just talking about just the general audience black folk. <laughs> they only seen him in as Rizza or the kid from the Equalizer 2 that Denzel helps out. Yes. They haven't seen him in Moonlight. They haven't seen him oh. in oh, Native oh, Son. Yeah. yeah, he was the the middle uh he was the middle one in Moonlight. They haven't seen him in Native Son. He's a really good actor, but he's one of those actors where he's always going to sound like himself for the most part, like Denzel. Denzel can act his ass off. But Denzel will all always not will, but always kind of sounds like Denzel. Like that Mount Vernon accent is always there, right? That's how Ashton Sanders is. He always kind of sounds like himself, even though he's acting. He's a different character. That speech cadence is still kind of ingrained in him. Now it kind of changes a bit when he does RZA. But <laughs> so the folks who only know him as those two characters, for him to mess up and that RZA to jump out. That's all they're going to remember. That's all they're going to take from it. So when he was Bobby, like in the American, the, the Soul Train Music Awards scene, when they first meet him, I was like, oh, he's doing a good Bobby. Like, why are people mad at him? And then in the limo scene, I was like, dang, like, <laughs> RZA jumped out. <laughs> like, that's Staten Island. Not even Staten Island, just RZA. Yeah. You know, he has like a, do I say speech impediment? Like, I don't know what you call that, but he's, that RZA jumped out. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, that mathematics. <laughs> hey Rizza, uh there was a math problem. Well, if Susie uh <laughs> took her little sister to the store, then Whitney Houston won a Grammy. <laughs> da -da 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 -da. Like, you know? Anyway. So poor Ashton Sand. I thought he was a good cast. He just he had that goof up and then that just kinda ruined like ruined it yeah, for him. It, it'll take you out. Yeah, that's that's what it did. It took you out and folks don't forget. So that was unfortunate. But they're going to act like he's a bad actor from now on, which is not the case. And they're not going to watch any of the good things he's in, you know? Like, any, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, here's the dude who who ruined Bobby Brown kind of thing. Like, that's it unfortunate. Was, it, he was Bobby in it so little. So Yeah. like They slightly footnoted Bobby. Uh, whereas, I haven't seen it. I think, Terry, did you say you saw the 2015 Lifetime version? I want to say I did, but I probably... No, I didn't because it's Lifetime. Therefore, by proxy, I kind of refuse some you. of their stuff. Just I saw one criticism on that one. There was many, but one was that it painted Bobby as an angel and it was Bobby's... Uh, it was more of a Bobby yeah. movie than, than a Whitney. It's like so, a dang. Anyway, so this one probably did it on purpose to leave him out a, a little a bit more. Anyway... So, okay, so those those two criticisms. And finally, I have to preface this. The film community does this thing where they dogpile a lot, right? And I'm not saying everybody in the film community does it, but it happens enough that it's significant and it's worth mentioning, where one person messes up and then that drags everybody else down, right? So the year Bohemian Rhapsody came out, that was the vil the anytime there's like a in the, in award season there's usually a villain movie where mm. they 
film community knows is probably going to win, but nobody wants it to win. And that year was Bohemian Rhapsody. And I watched Bohemian Rhapsody and I thought it was good. Did it warrant to be the top dog? Probably not. Definitely not. Definitely not. But it was good, especially for a musician biopic, right? But what happened was it was directed by Brian Singer, who, if you don't know, he directed like the X-Men movies and stuff like that. He got, I'm not going to say he got me too. That's not the right way to say that, but he's, he, he's definitely a villain on the me too list. Basically some real predator shit. Like he throw parties and abused young guys. It, yeah. Stuff like that. I don't know verbatim, but it's in that realm. Right. So right. here he is making a movie, an Oscar movie after all these allegations and stuff came to light. So they're like, you know, fuck this guy. And by proxy, fuck this movie. So that's why that Bohemian Rhapsody was the kind of the villain that year. Even though it was decent, people liked it. And I think it won some awards. It got tainted because of that. I, I feel like. Like, it wasn't as bad as they made it out to be. But because of Brian Singer. And then, of course, because they they already deemed that this movie is shit. The person who wrote it is also shit. And he's also the writer of this. So with every, when I read through reviews for Whitney, not the documentary, with, I want to answer somebody in the movie, almost all the like reviews are like comparing it to Bohemian Rhapsody and saying it's just like that, paint by the numbers. But the thing is, all of them are paint by the numbers. One. Two, yeah. neither was as bad as y'all are making out to be because I think it's it's that, you know, association effect kind of pulling it down a bit because once again look at the critic score is 44 and you know the critics are film community folk and the audience score is 92 but once again it's all musician biopics or nostalgia plays so naturally the audience score is going to be that high too but that explains the difference to me i just wanted to talk about that i think that's fair worth worth bringing that up yeah uh anything i missed though uh, no. I don't think so. Final thoughts, more detailed thoughts, unless we already done shared it, which is usually the case. I'm learning. One thing that I know I really liked, because ironically, I was having this conversation like a month or so ago, a couple months ago, but before I watched this movie, is like how a lot of Whitney's, let's just broadly stroke and say, queer identity has been like wiped out. Oh yeah, I did want to talk about this. And so the fact that they made it pretty damn apparent, like in this movie, that her and Robin had a thing and like at will again kind of broad stroke and say, at best, let's say she was pansexual or bisexual or whatever, or queer, what have you, um, that that was far more at the forefront and how it just really sucked that that has been overlooked for as many years as it was because also for anybody who hangs out in the queer community whitney is a big deal like absolutely uh you go to your drag shows whatever else in between I like think, the gals love britney. oh excuse me whitney i think that's another reason why the movie's getting shat on mm-hmm. and specifically from the black community because they were never with the whitney's gay thing like that's why the documentary almost got buried because that was the first time that they addressed it head on and it was co-signed by somebody from her camp. Mm. So 
there's that, but nobody was really fucking with documentary like that. Um, like it wasn't like an expose or anything. They just talked about it. And then this movie did the same thing essentially. But I think the same folks from her camp that were involved in the documentary involved in the movie. So I think that yeah. still plays a part. Cause like I said, as a community, we're not where we need to be, but we we're further along, you know, it's, we're, just, we're still getting there. Yeah. yeah. But no, I enjoyed seeing that. Cause I did learn a lot about just like that part of her life again, that I feel like wasn't really a thing. Um, Especially not talked about when we were kids. Yeah, I remember my mom saying, uh, yeah, they did used to say that Whitney was gay. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. yeah. when she was, you know, at her peak, at least when I was a kid, you know, I know what nothing was, so. Facts. But no, otherwise, like I said, I appreciate how tastefully they handled a lot of the tragic and traumatic things that were a part of her life because they they could have really just been straight ass yeah, straight messy about, about it, it. but they were real artsy absolutely. and classy with it mm-hmm. so big kudos to the actors the writers like literally everyone involved because yeah yeah tim uh agreed like uh it was good to see certain parts of like i didn't really i don't remember as a child knowing that the black community was being weird toward her as i it, more than likely it was connected to her queerness and didn't even know about the queerness to begin with. It kind of puts first it was the whiteness. Who she was. Then it yeah. was the queerness. First they came for us because we were too white. Then they came for us because we were too queer. Yeah. Then they came for us for those reasons. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. All right. Well, no, good. It's uh, well done. Okay. You know what time it is. Ratings. Tim, you go. Uh, mine is clearly just directly what I recommend it. I feel like if somebody was big on the documentary style uh, thing, uh, uh, pieces like this, I don't know if I would recommend it because it is, like you said, kind of by the numbers. But if somebody if... was into music and wanted to learn more about Whitney Houston, they like, like want to like kind of visit that era of mm-hmm. music, it'd be a good thing to watch. Yeah, the if you if you were not a fan of biopics or if you just want the information instead of the presentation, mm-hmm. then watch the 2018 documentary Whitney. Yeah. Uh, if you were cool with the with the entertainment factor, so it plays like a movie, this will do. But if you hate biopics, then you know you're gonna hate this. Tara? Uh, I liked it. Usually I rate it as a Naruto character. I couldn't think of a character because I actually legitimately have been and I'm like, uh, it was a what would I say? I'm going to say it's Jiraiya. Oh, that was a good watch. Okay. Like It had a good run. It had good pacing. Like Everything made sense. As someone who just doesn't really watch movies as a whole, I'm not someone to be like, oh, biopics suck or whatever. Um, But as someone who grew up this like, podcast during the years. time of <laughs> I think you're going to be sticking um, way out. We talk about how much she is cinephile. I know. Um, but as someone who did grow up, like, while Whitney was still with us and, like, was dropping singles, it was nice to be an adult and look back on her life and understand things and, like, bop to the music. Because um, I definitely was bopping to the music. I will say, if you're if you like music, it's probably a great, like, movie. What was your favorite was. music bit? Like, 
I know they almost all uh, kind of did like splicing with the music videos whenever they did it. I I I will say that I enjoyed the national anthem. Like no one Thank has you. done a national anthem like her That's since. True. And like chills for me not to fuck with, you know, all that good jazz, but she sang the fuck out of it. Yeah. Well, well well defined. It that is it is absolutely the standard. I will give this somewhere between the seven and the eight. Like it's, I think seven is good. Eight is great. 7.5. Uh, it's, I thought it was really good. They, they handle it well. I love the artsy take. They give certain aspects of it. Like I told you the starting at the beginning and then, you know, uh, finishing at the end, uh, Obviously, that's you know, but you know what I mean, like the the American Music Award performance uh, at the beginning, and then you cycle in the back to it at the end, because you know in the music biopic you have to end on a big performance, and that is one hell of a performance, right? So it, you know it gave me chills. It did what it set out to do. Is it gonna win a bunch of awards? Probably not. Uh, I really. I liked it better than Bohemian Rhapsody, but you know I'm not even about to go down that road. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'd buy it for the for the DVD collection. Ooh, yeah. All right. Uh, also, I'm obviously biased, so like Whitney's okay. my favorite. Yeah. So that's uh Whitney Houston. I want to dance with somebody. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, you guys got any plugs? Anything going on? Um, just for me, uh, still doing D&D Sluggers, uh, come by the Instagram or the Patreon and see what I do with my old album, Hot Banana. I, I, this is actually the first I've said anything about, but I'm, uh, redoing the entire Hot Banana album. Amazing. My, my new stuff. And, uh, I love I Hot know, maybe, Banana. Uh, if I, if, uh, if things work like they're supposed to, I might be doing a live performance that will be available to possibly, uh stream or buy or what have you is Not that sure the american how... music awards um unfortunately and i don't think that ricky is available to help me uh, <laughs> like round off the edges and get it right so we'll just have to see what happens it's gonna do, be the, do a three song medley it's gonna be the 2024 30 years later tim's back Look. okay and i got a big pen from taylor hansen do do the, <laughs> do the three song medley and end it with a fight uh Ooh. anyway uh <laughs> so you heard it here folks uh tim has a big pen from hansen dd sluggers big pen from taylor hansen uh banana tara i'm still just out here thugging it i have nothing to plug Thug. life all right uh Thanks. don't follow me personally unless it's on letterbox uh at tivzilla on letterbox and you can follow the podcast on twitter at sgbk podcast uh i only post every time there's a new episode because no one's actually talking to us yet. But one day we'll get there. No, we got to give Big Jesus and Marrow energy just from the jump. Just be like our illustrious guests, and you know we're the greatest podcast of late night or whatever. And you know, eventually it'll happen. Right? Y'all already know who this is. <laughs> you already know. All right. Good night, folks. Take care. Bye.